right, welcome back for another Lost Boss Bitch. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you doing? You good? You don't oh, seem I'm good. sorry. Did you lose weight? Did you, you look weight? great? You look exactly However, like you, last time I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like don't you hate it when you have you feel like you're looking real good and uh-huh. you haven't seen somebody for many years and like you look exactly the same and you're like fuck fuck you. you. I don't have chunky highlights anymore. No. I'm a better person My for hair it. is not a weird shade of maroon. <laughs> oh so God. Yeah, I know. That like acidic red. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. Oh, man. It was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough being a youth in the 90s, I it think. It really was. It was very confused. Some things I thought, like I still think are like so cute. And other things I'm like, why the fuck did I wear a tiny t-shirt oh. under under a spaghetti strap dress? Yes. Like, why did I need that? I don't know. It didn't matter. But we ma- did. Like, yeah, we did it. I think part of it has to do with um, dress codes, school mm. dress codes. Mm, interesting. I don't know about your school, but my school, we couldn't wear a tank that was thinner than like an inch and a half across had to cover your bra had to cover the no bra. one wore a tank what do you wear like a chunky like I a mean, chunky old like navy you, tank yeah you just do like a bigger tank yeah i just like those ones that are not spaghetti strap but like like thick still yeah almost know. wife beatery yeah it's like do i trust it i don't know i guess you have to but yeah we had dress code like dumb like lame to women dress codes put your hands by your sides make sure your shorts mm-hmm. reach your fingertips yeah like yeah shit like that where it's just like you can see a, a suggestion of a bra mm-hmm. like get out you don't get to go to school today what i don't <laughs> understand is why is a bra so offensive to yeah. a bra strap especially uh-huh. if you're straight if you're just walking around in a bra Mm -hmm. to school sure i would probably agree that that's inappropriate Mm -hmm. but sometimes your bra strap slips out yeah well you think about if dudes had to wear bras how many bra straps you'd see do you know how comfortable bras would be if dudes had to wear bras that's true they I wouldn't mean, have to be like underwire no. poking out. They would just be built into every shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like oh, that's my bra every, shirt. Yeah, exactly. AKA that shirt. every shirt. Exactly. All of the wires. If there were wires, they'd all be like warped from the wash. Yeah. Like, guys wouldn't know how to do any of that stuff. But we we're taught to be paranoid about it and to like Because bras sure are expensive, dude. They are expensive. You, those you invest in ones. a high quality bra. Yeah. It's uh, it's important to get a good bra, <laughs> and then you know the the wires will pop out, and then like they're stabbing you, like it's just like you might get tetanus. Uh-huh. You never know. I don't know what's gonna happen. We're I changing the name like of the bras. podcast to Bra Bitches. Bra Bitches. Bra Bitches. Boss. We bras? rage against the bra. Yes. Right. Every... I understand bra burning now. <laughs> I know. Back in the day, I was like. Well, why would you burn a perfectly good bra? Mm-hmm. That shit's expensive. We actually just profile bras. Yeah. <laughs> Different kinds of bras. Like profiles and courage. <laughs> it's like bras from history. Yes. Bras from now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we made Sammy laugh. <laughs> I never feel more satisfied than when I make Sammy laugh. I know, because usually, like, she's like, okay. Yeah. She's calm trying it to be down. over there being quiet. <laughs> so our main but goal every is once to in make while. Sammy laugh. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. We get a giggle. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's the best. How are you, Rebecca? I'm okay. I'm, did I say go okay? I'm okay. You're go Gurt? go okay. <laughs> I'm good. I started uh, doing the keto diet. Uh, have you heard of that diet? I, I always thought it was pronounced keto, but Might keto be. sounds better. Keto sounds like it's jujitsu. It does. Uh, <laughs> it's, like a, it's not. It's just eating fat. You just eat fat all you day. You eat a lot of fat? You eat all. So you must be full all the time. Yeah, right? which is great. Like, I mean, keep- the, it's good. I mean, I don't like eating a ton of animal products, but it, it is very filling and you get to eat like steak and heavy cream. 
All right. How do I lose weight? Good question. We'll see. <laughs> um, well, you, your body goes into ketosis. And so your it, breath smells interesting. Yes. Not bad. Just like. But interesting. Like nail polish remover or like. like cat pee. Fruits. No. <laughs> cat pee. <laughs> it's uh, benchmark is cat pee breath. So. <laughs> That's how you know it's working. Exactly. Um, I did not. I drink too much. So I think it, it hasn't really been working. You're not going to hit ketosis. Any. I need to like, like not drink for a night. You know, like yeah. just take a night off. Um, but you can eat like cheese and steak and cream and like some vegetables. But it's like no carbs, all fat. Okay. Is the thing. All right. We'll see. You guys can't see me, but she's I looking good. Haven't lost any weight. She's looking look real good. Exactly the same. I've just Keeping eaten it a right ton of tight. butter, like a ton of butter. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna be one of those people that puts butter in their coffee. Yeah. Oh, it's. I, I've it done that. I've done Full that. Coffee. It's really good. I'm it gonna make really you some. Good. Oh, you've I've, had, I've it. had it. Yeah. Right? It is really good. It's like a latte. It's like a butter latte. It's a frothy, frothy it's, butter latte. It's like a butter beer coffee. I'm I am not judging your decision uh-huh. for this diet because uh-huh. I have I have done similar ones and yeah. I've enjoyed it. But I am going to say here and now that uh-huh. people are gonna look back at this and be like at this like fat fest. Yeah. And we're gonna be judged. Yeah. I think we should be judged. I'm willing to be judged. Because we're putting butter in our coffee. But, but it's so good. I know. But like I, I have so many worse things that I'm going to be judged for that this is going to be like real low on the That's list. That's true. Maybe you guys will forget it. Oh, <laughs> it's, this. mine's certainly going to be forgotten. I'm going to be known as the girl that sleepwalks in peace places. Mm-mm. That true? It now. Oh, That's yeah. True? Where, where, how often do you sleepwalk? Only if I get blackout drunk. So not nearly as much as I used mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. on, um, on one of the first times my husband and I spent the night together, wink, wink, mm-hmm. uh, I drank a lot and he uh, found me sitting on the stairs outside of my room mm-hmm. trying to go to the bathroom. <laughs> You're like, a, I feel like I hear a lot of guys that that happens to, but not a lot of women. No, I'm, I'm a trailblazer. You are. You're yeah. brave. We're going to profile you. Actually, I'm doing you. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> my person. That's how she got her name, Lindsay P. People really need to work on these nicknames. Lindsay P. <laughs> Lindsay P. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Should Shall I go we? first or this do you want to go first? This time you go first and then I'll, I'll do my, I don't know. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's do it. Let's start. Cool. So and um, a one and a two <laughs> and a three and a one and a start again. Count me in. Count me in. All Almost right. There. Let's go. <laughs> um, so my my lost boss bitch. Her name is Nellie Bly, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like a Wild West woman. Yes, she's not, but she's pretty wild mm-hmm. in, in her own right. Um, she was born Elizabeth Cochran Seaman. Oh no, she was born Elizabeth Cochran. <laughs> I got Sammy to laugh. Wow, too. Sammy's she's, giggling up she's the storm over the there. Uh, <laughs> she was an American journalist, inventor, industrialist, and suffragette, mm-hmm. like you do. Ooh. Um, she was born in Pennsylvania, and she moved to Pittsburgh with her family as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, while there, she read a super misogynistic column in the P- Pittsburgh Dispatch entitled. What girls are good for? Mm. I would love to get my hands on this item. Yeah. Um, But 
Elizabeth, not Nellie yet, wrote a fiery response under her pseudonym, Lonely Orphan Girl. I don't know what the backstory of Lonely Orphan Girl is. That sounds is. very emo, like her MySpace page would be like exactly, exactly what I think it would she be. She had half her face is being covered by hair. <laughs> by hair, exactly. But it's also like heavily filtered. Oh, very filtered. <laughs> uh-huh. All those levels are really thrown off. Exactly. It's some Elliot Smith, yes. like the song you get to choose. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should bring MySpace back. Yeah, I'm down. Um, so the editor of what was it called? The Pits- Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh Dispatch. George Madden was impressed with her passion and ran an advertisement. I feel like that's how they said advertisement (laughs) back then. He ran an advertisement asking the author to identify herself. Mm -hmm. She introduced herself to Madden and he offered her the opportunity to write a piece for the newspaper under her pseudonym. Mm -hmm. Lonely. Hashtag lonely orphan girl. (laughs) I mean, lonely orphan girl. It's like way to think highly of herself. Seriously. And she wasn't an orphan. (laughs) She had her parents. She was orphaned by society. There we go. She's like, I'm going to show you what a girl's good for. Being an orphan. Yeah. A fake orphan. Lonely at that. (laughs) So her official column for the dispatch was entitled... Oh, wait. He... Okay. So... She wrote, she wrote a column called The Girl Puzzle, mm-hmm. and it impressed Madden so much that he offered her a full-time job. Mm. Good for her. Go get her. Um, so female journalists back in the day, mm-hmm. they were few and far between, but they always re- wrote under pseudonyms. Like dude na- or like dude, dude sounding names, I think. Ugh, and I like, don't know why. Like lady journalists. Yeah. Like t- rough and tumble. They have to have fake names because yeah. otherwise people might become hysterical. Who would believe it? <laughs> So she was named Nellie Bly after a popular song of the time, mm-hmm. um, and it just stuck. So that was her name now. Oh, kind of like Kesha with the dollar sign in her yeah. name, you know? It's like, yeah, <laughs> um, it is a lot like Kesha. Definitely, mm-hmm. Kesha is the Nellie Bly of today. I'm doing Kesha. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we should try to interview her actually. Mm-hmm. So she's as a around. writer, yeah, she's let's. Debu, do a mm-hmm. deep dive. Debu is Actually, the word that I just said. She came on a show that I worked on. I bet. I bet I could get her. We'll talk about this after okay. the podcast. <laughs> we'll discuss this. Yes. Um. Um. So back to um old school Kesha mm-hmm. Nellie Bly. She, as a writer, her early work. Um. She tried to write about the plight of working women, mm-hmm. writing a series of investigative invest. I have to say this word a lot, and if it's going to be this hard every time, we're in trouble. <laughs> A series of investigative mm-hmm. articles on women who are factory workers. Um, but because of the times, they pushed her to stop writing mm-hmm. such bullshit pieces um, and focus on women's pages to cover fashion, society, and gardening. Mm. The usual role of the women journalists of the day. Yeah, naturally. Um, so for a year and a half, she did that. And, but she was really getting tired of it. I, I don't know why she would get so tired of writing about gardening, but apparently she did. Uh, she's like, calm the fuck Yeah. On. Like, do I really have to you talk about it. tulip you season water again? Them, and then they bloom. And then that's it. Begin again. Meanwhile, this lilac plant keeps dying, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so she decided to go ahead and pack her bags and move to Mexico to be a foreign correspondent. Hell yeah. Yes. So she, for a year and a half wrote about the uh, she reported about the lives and customs of the mexican people until one of her reports criticizing the mexican government mm-hmm. made her move back to the states uh, the government go. was like a uh, girl i don't know what you're doing okay nelly but you need to get you need to get back to yeah Pittsburgh. get back to gardening and talking about perennials yes are perennials the ones that are it doesn't matter 
Um, <laughs> you just cut your own. Yeah, I was like, like no, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because nobody cares. <laughs> Neither did Nellie. Uh, so gonna let's respect email. that. Yeah. Um, so she moved back uh, and she was tired of the bullshit that she was handed at the dispatch, them mm-hmm. trying to make her what she didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. So um, she pitched a story to Joseph Pulitzer's new publication, The New York World. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to investigate what it was like inside of women's asylums. Whoa. So um, she focused on one of the New York asylums um, on Blackwell Island, and she decided to fake insanity mm-hmm. in order to get locked away. <gasps> So she practiced deranged expressions in the mirror for one night, then decided, well, that does it. Yep. So she checked into a boarding house. Mm-hmm. She refused to sleep and just acted like a crazy person for the night. <gasps> and it worked. Um, <gasps> the people running the boarding house decided she was crazy. They took her, they put her in front of a judge and the judge and several doctors deemed that she was positively demented mm-hmm. and locked her away into an asylum. Do you know, drop of a penny, they'll lock a woman away. Seriously. You know, like, I don't like, feel like, what, like one sleepless night in a boarding house and, and suddenly like, you're demented? Crazy. Yeah. We can't like, have her on the streets. Exactly. She's she making funny faces. Exactly. Um, so locked away, she experienced the conditions firsthand and they don't sound like they were fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the food consisted of gruel, broth, spoiled God. beef, bread spoiled that beef. was a little They're more like, than Wait till dry. it spoils, then yes. serve it up. It's like, no, guys, that beef is still good. What are you doing? <laughs> no, not yet. Um, and dirty, undrinkable water. Mm. Um, the patients that were deemed dangerous were all tied together with ropes. Mm. Um, and they were made to sit for much of the day on hard benches with scant protection from the cold. Mm. Um, apparently, waste was everywhere, like human waste. Rats crawled mm. all everywhere. And the bath water was frigid and buckets of water were poured over their heads. Mm. They were just like, how do we treat people as poorly as possible? Yeah. it's like, Let's do that. Yeah. Poor people who really should have gotten care and understanding and like, uh, yeah. you know, Empathy. rehabilitation. Yeah. No. It's like, it's already, their life is already hard. Let's just Let's chain make them to it each worse. other. Yeah. And to make it, in my opinion, even worse, Mm-mm. she deducted that many of the women locked in the asylum were as sane as she was. Um, her first ca- first hand account was um, what what expecting torture would produce insanity. Oh, so expecting torture would produce insanity quicker than this treatment. Here's a class of women sent to be cured. I would like the expert physicians who are condemning me for my action, which has proven their ability to take a perfectly sane and healthy woman, shut her up and make her sit from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. on straight straight back benches. Do not allow her to talk or move during these hours. Give her no reading and let her know nothing of the world Mm. or its doings. Give her bad food and harsh treatment and see how long it will take to make her insane. Two months would make her mental, make her a mental and physical wreck. Um, My teeth chattered and my limbs were goose fleshed and blue and cold. Suddenly I got one after the other of three buckets of water over my head, ice cold Mm. water into my eyes, my ears, my nose and my mouth. Mm. So she was released after 10 days. Um, The New York world published her piece it was called 10 Days in a Madhouse, and it caused a national sensation and led to an overhaul of the way the asylum system was That's run. Awesome. So, God, muckraking journalism. Get out there. Get your voice heard. Do it. It's so important. Get on Medium. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do something. Right. 
Um, so by 1888, Bly decided her next piece should be trying to break the record of traveling around the world, attempting to turn the fictional around the world in 80 days into reality. Wow. So a year later, at 9.40 a.m. on November 14th, 1989, with just two days' notice, she mm-hmm. boarded the Augusta Victoria, mm-hmm. a steamer of the Hamburg-America line, and began her 24,899-mile journey. Whoa. And not to be outdone, or to be outdone, actually, specifically to be outdone, the mm-hmm. New York newspaper Cosmopolitan oh. sponsored its own reporter, Elizabeth Bisland, to beat like, the time. <laughs> like old Cosmo was like a reputable thing. Right. And you now know, it's, it's just like, like sex tips, like sex tips on a boat. Yeah. Get his dick hard around uh, the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Bly traveled by steamerships and railroad systems and 72 days after leaving New York, she was back. She had circumnavigated the globe traveling mostly alone. Mm-hmm. She beat Bisland by four and a half days. So bitch, don't come. Yeah. For her. Don't send no, for no, her. No, 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 no. Unless don't, she was in an asylum for say. 10 days. Yeah. Like she's going to be a little crazy. Yeah. Um, go also, Bisland went the opposite direction. Oh, so it was, they, made they met like ships point. in the night. Exactly. Just, like didn't even know. No. Um, oh, fuck it. So in 1895, this is a fun fact. Bly married millionaire manufacturer, Robert Seaman. Sammy mm-hmm. loves him. Yeah. Um, she was 31 and he was 73. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you get yours, girl. Uh-huh. They said so much in common. You I know. know. Like they both loved gruel. <laughs> yeah, they did. Spoiled beef. That's right. He loves having buckets of water mm-hmm. poured they over his head. They both love sitting, I bet. Yeah. Oh, they love a sit. <laughs> it's like, what are your what are your favorite activities? I love sitting. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, Me too. That's crazy. If I if I stand, I'm afraid my uterus is gonna yeah, fall that's out. That's right. This is <laughs> jingle jangle. <laughs> go, go. Uterine theme. tape, anyone? <laughs> um, so she quit journalism and became president of Clad Manufacturing Company. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband, Old Coot, died in 1904. <laughs> and the same year, Ironclad... Oh, it's not Clad. It's Ironclad Manufacturing Company. Excuse moi. Mm-hmm. But in 1904, Ironclad began manufacturing the steel barrel that was the model of the 55-gallon the oil drum still widespread use in the United States today. Ooh. Um, there's a little bit of controversy as to whether she invented that or if somebody else invented it Mm -hmm. but she does have two patents under her name for stacking garbage cans and a novel milk can hell yeah so good for you nelly hell yeah um she was a leading woman in manufacturing until employee embezzlement caused the company to go bankrupt womp womp well can't, and you know you can't win them all you can't win them all <laughs> you can't be an inventor and a traveler and a writer and also manage your, funds your, your company. people aren't embezzling so much money from That's you it's too much it is too much i can't do the dishes and make my bed in the same day so right? i understand now it's like i can't be on facebook and read this article on slate no so i'm gonna <laughs> choose facebook yeah. um so she re- after her ba- her business went belly up she returned to reporting and covered the world war Mm-hmm. along with women's suffrage, mm-hmm. along with the women's suffrage per- parade of 1913. Mm-hmm. Oh, my nose itches. Excuse me. And um, her headline for the parade story was, suffragists are men's superiors. <laughs> You're yes. not wrong. But she also, with uncanny prescience, mm-hmm. predicted in the story that it would not be until 1920 before women in the United States would win the vote. And she was correct. Wow. 
So Nellie Bly died of pneumonia at St. Mark's Hospital in New York City in 1922 at the ripe age of 57. Mm. So thank you for everything that you've done for women, Nellie. Yeah. We remember you. Oh, my God. I want to read that piece about the 10 days in a... I do, too. I want to read... If we can get our hands on some of her writing, we'll post it for you guys to check out. That'd be so great. I'm so curious. It's got to be fascinating. I know. And I would love to read what got her fired up in the first place the what girls are good for article yeah <gasps> okay we'll do a little digging yeah we'll dig um, and we will uh we'll post what we can find for absolutely. you guys absolutely absolutely oh i love her yeah Ugh. she's a real badass i know can one one time can we do maybe for mother's day we do our moms yeah. or like grandmother's day we do our grandmas i would love that how fun would that be that would be so fun then we can like fit our own baggage in there a little bit too like my mom was like she's an attorney but she's an emotionally distant attorney like but like it, she's a hero but like my my mom's a dreamer. also like mom like maybe lay off my, my weight shit sometimes you know yeah yeah same mom <laughs> like the day before my wedding um but you're lovely laura Mm -hmm. even though you would take us on winter picnics Mm -hmm. which are exactly what they sound like winter picnics you would make us eat outside (laughs) in the indiana winters (laughs) true story where like in a park um one was on a highway median outside of the zoo so practically a park winter picnics (laughs) oh she will Tell you about it smiling and think it was the best. She's like, I was cooped up with kids. What was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Not make us sit and eat outside in the winter. We need hypothermia, Just, mom. Could. We didn't. She's it's like, you're good. fine. Maybe you're tougher for it. Maybe. Or maybe... I just like to sit outside in the cold for no reason. Yeah, no, you don't even know why. You're like, why, like is, why is this enjoyable? Why is this a comfort for me? This feels like love. Yeah, like home and love. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being embraced by the cold. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to do our moms. Oh, me too. Um, all right. My lady is not my mom um, yet. But it will be. But mm, she will never. Yeah. She. <laughs> my mom will eventually come later. Um, lots of stories. This woman, I'm going to show. Okay. Chill out, Rebecca. This person, uh, Rosalind Franklin, uh, you probably don't know her, know her, but you do know of the double helix, I which sure she, do. uh, helped create, um, and discover. She didn't create it. God created it. But she, she f- basically found it, um, and, and brought it to modern science and i found this out in an amazing book which everyone should read called the gene it's the history of the gene wow um which is a really short history if you think about it um genetic engineering like you have like mendel like mendelian genetics way back when but there was this like giant chasm of like kind of like renaissance like era to like 1960 like mm-hmm. they're just like people just d- didn't believe it or like they kind of like it was kind of tied into evolution but then like modern genetics is so so new um but she was part of the founding group of scientists who really discovered it and she and they treated her really poorly uh. um we'll get into it anyway the, it's called the gene an intimate history uh by siddhartha Mukherjee. uh go check it out it's Absolutely. really interesting even for uh dummies like me I kept reading because it wasn't dry. It was fun. I was going to say science. I You 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 stopped me at science, <laughs> but um, I'll check it out. But you're going to tentatively I'm gonna, gonna dip, I'm gonna dip my little toe in, <laughs> see, see what it's like. See what's in there. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, very fascinating. Anyway, Rosalind Elise Franklin was born in London, England. Um, 
rich family, uh, very social, like very public. Uh, her father wanted to be a scientist, but World War One cut short his education and he became a college teacher instead. It's like college yeah. teacher's pretty good, though. I was going to say that. You know? I thought it was going to be he became like a mm-hmm. steamboat captain. Yeah. Know that they didn't say professor, though. I only found college teacher. So huh. I'm like lecturer. Like, what's his deal? I don't know what it's like. Whatever. Um, Back in so the day and is, in London. Exactly. So this uh, was around, again, like like 1930-ish. Um, or a little bit before that. Like 1920. Um, so her father actively discouraged her interest since it was very difficult for women to have such a career. Because she was very interested in science from a very young age. Um, but with her excellent education from St. Paul's Girls School, one of the few institutions at the time that taught physics and chemistry to girls... Ugh. She went to Cambridge in 1938 to study chemistry. So. Don't, I, I don't think that this is this is a groundbreaking theory, mm-hmm. but because women were were encouraged to be so uneducated for so long, mm-hmm. do you think that it was dudes kind of just protecting themselves from a smart woman? Oh hell yeah, that's how you oppress people. You don't right? educate them. Yeah, I mean yeah. same thing with like slavery too, like Absolutely. literacy and slavery, where it's like yeah, you don't want them to leave or you want to keep them keep in the dark them, keep don't them let them read yeah, yeah. <laughs> like don't give them any any resources to exactly support themselves yeah yeah tool the womp oppressed womp. i know um but she's okay so rosalind our dear friend graduated she was a re- awarded a research scholarship to do graduate work um at the rgw norish's lab um, without great success, Norrish recognized Franklin's potential, but he wasn't very encouraging because she was a woman. Oh, that's so oh, interesting. Shit. Mm, that's weird. No support. Okay. So then uh, she was offered a position as an assistant research officer at the British Coal Utilization Research Research Association. Slow down, Rebecca. <laughs> she gave up the fellowship and took that job. We're going to call it Cura for now. Okay. Um, it was a young organization and there was less formality, uh, like real loose, again, like kind of grassroots. And she worked totally independently, which is like so how she was. Like she was very reclusive, like reclusive. And in this book, again, some of the some of the testimony, I don't have it here, but of the people she worked with was that she was like unpleasant and like whatever. And it's like, yeah, dude, nobody wants you to succeed. Right. Yeah. You don't want to interact with people in your field because they hate you yeah they don't like you and even if Mm -hmm. you did try to be pleasant guess what the minute you aren't Mm -hmm. that's going to be what you're called exactly you can't win no um so franklin worked at cura until 1947 and published a number of papers on the physical structure of coal so next she uh went to paris because an old friend introduced her to marcel matthew who directed most of the research in france uh he was very impressed by his by her work and this is like the first person who's like like, marginally (laughs) impressed by anything she's done okay Um, good for her for perseverance i know so he offered her a job as a chercheur searcher in the laboratoire central de service chimique uh de l'etat so uh, that's the the laboratory of chemical services of the state. Ugh. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Here she learned X-ray different uh, X-ray diffraction techniques from Jacques Mering, and that's really like what like catapulted her career. These X-ray, and that's how they. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it yet. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm getting excited because we're ramping up. 
To the double helix. <laughs> I know. In 1951, Franklin was offered a three-year research scholarship at King's College in London. With her knowledge, Franklin was uh, to set up and improve the X-ray crystallography unit at the King's College laboratory. Um, more, uh, let's see. A guy named Maurice Wilkins uh, was already using the X-ray crystallography to solve the trying to solve the DNA problem at King's College. When she arrived. Um, Wilkins was away and on his return Wilkins assumed that she was hired to be his assistant uh oh it was a bad start to a relationship that never got any better oh man yeah that's what a dick just don't ever go on vacation no because you gotta be in the know yeah okay otherwise they're gonna call you an assistant yeah it's the story of my life um (laughs) (laughs) working with a student Raymond Gosling uh, Franklin was able to get two sets of high-resolution photos of crystallized DNA fibers. She used two different fibers of DNA, one more highly hydrated than the other, um, so then she could get the dimensions with the hydrated one and, uh, like, guessing what the phosphates on the outside were probably helic helical structure i am already again the book explains it a lot better than i do my mind is already blown just Mm -hmm. just the sheer fact that she knew to do those two things to discover Mm -hmm. all of this information i know is mind-boggling using a technology that was still like really new too it's like new technologies new technologies like i'm already lost yeah i don't even i still don't know how to use the cloud Mm -hmm. no who does no it's a mystery (laughs) it is a mystery it's like, never going to know how to get anything off of that. Uh-uh. Um, so she presented her data uh, at a lecture in King's College, which uh, James Watson was in attendance at. Uh, in his book, The Double Helix, Watson Watson ugh, admitted to not paying attention at Franklin's talk and not oh. being able to fully describe the lecture and the results to Francis Crick. Watson and Crick were at the Cavendish la- Laboratory and were working on solving the DNA structure. Um, Franklin didn't know that Watson and Crick uh, well as Wilkins did and never collaborated with them but it was like the three of them like Crick Watkins and uh, Franklin who really like fleshed out the DNA stuff mm-hmm. and really made it known um, so Wilkins who worked with Franklin showed Watson and Crick are you guys lost yet lots of dudes white guys showing each other <laughs> dna shit <laughs> like showing each other their yeah, dna showing each other <laughs> women's work yeah. <laughs> like the hard work um uh what was i gonna say so yeah they showed them rosalind's D- uh, x-ray shit um and the data con- like they collaborated and confirmed and in 1953, both Wilkins and Franklin published papers on their X-ray data at the same in the same Nature issue with Watson and Crick's paper on the structure of DNA. So they all just like fucking came together yeah. and just was like all this info they corroborated. They all like I don't know. It's it's like after all of her like being put down at least at least like with hard won respect. Yeah. Like people can help each other. God forbid. And, and it, some of those people happen to have vaginas. Yeah. Uh, what? Crazy. For real? So weird. Um, yeah. So Franklin left Cambridge in 1953, uh, very close to after that paper was published, and went to the Birkbeck lab to work on the structure of tobacco mosaic virus. I don't know what that is. It sounds fun as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, she published a number of papers on the subject and actually um, did this work because she found out she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, damn. Which she died of in 1958. No. Yeah. It abruptly ends. 
for Rosalind. So Franklin. she was still an active scientist at the time of her death. Yeah, she de- she and they describe her in the book as just be- as being like this tireless worker who was just like up until the end, um, just like wanted to oh, get so shit sad. done. Yeah. Did she ever marry or have kids or anything? Not that I have seen. Not that I. Not a lot of. of st- lot I didn't of find a lot of like personal stuff. Yeah. Um. In 1962, the Nobel Prize in uh, Physiology or Medicine was awarded to James Watson, Francis Crick, and Maurice Wilkins no. for solving the structure of DNA. What? Yeah. They couldn't even like give it to her posthumously. No, they don't give posthumous prizes. Uh. Holy shit. Sucks. So, this is That's a woman. Such bullshit. I know. This is a woman where it's like, I want everyone to know who she is because she was like a pioneer. She was an integral part. Uh-huh. It was just like she had cancer and died. And so she couldn't get like this. The acknowledgement ugh. that she deserves. I know. I know. It's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, maybe you should have gone first because that is uh, <laughs> quite a downer. No, I feel like I feel like um, we should take a moment to be grounded and, you know. Mm-hmm. feel feel how shitty that is yeah that's really and that's okay really just if you're gonna get a nobel prize get it when you're alive apparently that's the only way yeah and if if you're the people that get the nobel prize knowing that you had a colleague that you wouldn't be receiving mm-hmm. without it mm-hmm. maybe fight for her to be a part of it yeah. even though she did yeah i wonder if they did i i, I, I would like to think that they would they would but i who knows? i would too um, yeah, this part of the, the book is really interesting, their mm-hmm. whole dynamic. Um, but yeah, what a f- awesome person. Absolutely. Damn, like making a difference. Yeah. Oh, well, um, just take a moment. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> and go about the rest of your day. Be Thanks thankful. For listening. Be gracious. Be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Regardless of genitalia. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, just let's try, try that on precise. Just, yeah, just get out there and just treat humans like humans. Yeah, I give it know. a go. All right, um. well, it was real nice. <laughs> it was real nice um, feeling these feelings with you, Rebecca. I know, I feel like we're like, we were like, yeah, like, right, this is like such a roller coaster of a Lost Boss Bitch episode. It is, yeah. The highs, the lows, we buckled the in-betweens, up. The in-betweens, mm-hmm. the crazy, the sane. Yeah. The um, DNA. The DNA. And next week we have an interview with a current boss bitch. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for um, that. Or don't stick around because it's not out yeah, yet. Yeah, actually, like, don't wait a week on this. Yeah, you can live your life. Yeah, live your life for a week. But you'll you'll be notified by your podcast provider when, yeah, when, it's when ready. our next one's out. <laughs> so come back for that, yeah, is what for, we're saying. Yeah, come back. Don't In stick In the meantime, around. eat ice cream and live your life. Do it. Yeah. We dare you. Double dog. Mm. Gotta do it now. All Thanks, right, everybody. Thank you.